I'd like to welcome everyone to the Florence Weinberg Show. Frank McKay here. So much more importantly, Dr. Florence Byham Weinberg is the author of 16 books and the subject of a documentary and so many other things. Without further ado, Doc, how are you? I'm doing okay, thank heaven. Yeah. How are you? I, I'm doing well, and uh, it's it's good to talk to you. And I know you've been you've been uh, examining your own governor there, um, and and his uh, his going on, and uh, he he actually he always gives you something to talk about. That's the one thing interesting about Governor Abbott. You always have something yes. to talk about. Uh, what's your thoughts? Okay, let's go. <laughs> So you know, as as far as Abbott goes, uh, what do give, give us some observations? What's uh, what's how has he been governing? What's been going on since he's uh, he won his big victory last November? Well, he's been very much governing according to Trump. Uh, so I think he's put his uh, uh, his um, bets all on Trump and. Uh, and he won the last election handily, so he was correct. Uh, but Wharton didn't really have a chance. Uh, what I'm going to do today, however, is to start with my own background and the reasons why I am so skeptical of what uh, Gov Governor Abbott is offering us these days, which is uh, that he wants to substitute a system of vouchers for our public education. He wants to defund our education system and substitute um, a, an $800 award to each family, not each child, mind you, each family, uh, to further uh, private education uh, so that uh, parents can control their own child's education. Uh, okay, so I will begin then with my own childhood and what I learned as a, as a child. Uh, when I was born in 1933, uh, FDR had been president for one year. It was his first term. Adolf Hitler had just come to power. It was his first term. Politics back then in the United States were all about American democracy versus Soviet communism. People, if they were in politics, they were judged and executed by our judicial system. And a couple of examples are the execution of Sacco and Vanzetti for spying and the Rosenbergs uh, for spying because those people believe the government should help the individual who at the time, uh, and those were depression times, were starving. Uh, FDR, as I said, was elected president and began his programs to pull the nation out of bankruptcy. Uh, his WPA, uh, Works Progress Administration uh, is uh, is responsible for the first paved highways across the country. We had highways, but they were gravel roads. They were rural gravel roads before Eisenhower came uh, to the presidency. The CCC, Civil uh, Civilian Conservation Corporation, or Corps, Civilian Conservation Corps. I used tax dollars to build uh, highways, uh, as did the WPA, uh, and my father was one of those engineers, by the way, who also worked for the CCC. 
uh, and they built bridges, they built tunnels, they built the Taconic Parkway in New York State, which was the first experiment in superhighway building. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. Yes, yes, it was. It was uh, FDR who built that. Um, they built dams, they built reservoirs, and ultimately, when World War II came along, they fitted this country to switch from from uh, infrastructure to building the war machine that defeated Nazi and fascist power. I was a witness to and a partisan of this rapid and uh, radical development in this country. But at the same time, the undercurrent of and suspicion of and hatred for those forces that were bent on helping the poor out of their predicament remained virulent and powerful. Those forces believed that the many, the tax-paying poor, should help the needy few, the wealthy, whose riches would trickle down to the poor and enrich them too. It didn't happen then. It hasn't worked yet. However, our latest Republicans are still trying it, as in G.W. Bush's and Trump's tax cuts for the wealthy. Our first post-war president, Dwight D. Eisenhower, saw things differently. He used tax money to build the massive system of interstate highways. These are just now breaking down, just in time to receive the nick of timely aid of Biden's Build Back Better bill. <laughs> uh, most of those who voted for that bill, however, are unaware of its history and of the ironies involved. I, who am 89 years old, have had a slightly better perspective on that than does even President Biden, who is only 81. Back to history. We had a swing back to the Democratic Party during the reaction to Nixon, uh, the Watergate, and Ford's pardon. When under uh, Johnson, under LBJ, the nation made great strides toward inter interracial justice, especially in reversing the post-Civil War Jim Crow system, which had reigned in the southern U.S. since the Civil War, and which still has an underground but emerging hold on Southern youth today, and those of their elders and not old, uh, their elders who are old enough to have participated in action or in spirit in the Selma March and beatings and the King assassination. Republicans have always believed that private enterprise should save the nation. Government was intrinsically evil and should be drowned in the bathtub. To, to to quote a famous senator. This means, this means that no matter how vast a private enterprise may become, it is still the savior of our nation. Corporations are counted as people, as they are in Citizens United, and the billionaires who run them are our heroes. A lot of this goes back to the lone hero syndrome, which is one of the greatest legends of the Old West, epitomized in my mind by Hollywood's film High Noon, where the courageous lawman, isolated by the cowardly populace, stands alone and forlorn against the criminal opposition. This leads to right-wing adoration of the lone billionaire like Elon Musk, who is quickly dethroned, <laughs> once, once he, he tackled Twitter and, and Donald Trump, 
who is still there, uh, who is a fake billionaire, using myth and conspiracy theories to bolster his claim to be the savior of the country. What we have now is a confrontation between the gigantic uh, savior figure who alone can save us and the ordinary guy, Joe Biden, who clings to the mundane ideas that the rich should help the poor, that the government is there to provide safety nets to accomplish this. Fortunately, the few Democratic presidents who had the cooperation of their legislatures have managed to establish a few durable social programs. Uh, and the, one of the major ones is, of course, Social Security, going all the way back to, F, uh, to FDR. Then there's Medicare, Medicaid, the ACA, Obamacare. And now we have Build Back Better, a revival of the Eisenhower era, that idea, uh, the Eisenhower era idea that tax money should go toward keeping our infrastructure going. One of our Roosevelt era accomplishments was the establishment of public schools. I, along with millions of pre-World War II kids, benefited from a well-thought-out plan to teach the basics to all kids on the theory that they would grow up to be something. Their performance during World War II demonstrated the soundness of that idea. The Constitution of the USA, however, bans the inclusion of any one religious doctrine in the general curriculum. These days, for the reasons, and these days, the reasons for that have been forgotten. Wild claims coming from the far right wing, now in a slim majority in Congress, are being made against public school curricula, teachers, and librarians. Here in Texas, our governor is mounting a campaign to destroy the public school system in favor of private schools, including religious ones. Books are being banned in school libraries. Librarians are interrogated like criminals and threatened with prison time. A few people are noticing. I'm going to quote in verbatim here are two letters published in the Express News late last month. The first letter was entitled, Separate Church and State. Quote, so let's see. We are going to take tax money, state, and give it to parents to send their kids to a private school <clears throat> at $8,000 a pop. The majority of private schools are religious, church. This means the state is using tax money, calling it a voucher, and giving it to a church. That violates the First Amendment to the U.S. Constitution, which provides for separation of church and state. Why is there legislation like this being proposed? Unquote. It's for someone named Mark Kubelman who wrote that one. And then the next one is entitled, Perry is not reassuring. And Perry, of course, uh, was a former governor of ours who was renowned for his less than sharp wit. <laughs> Intelligence, that, that was. Perry, uh, regarding Perry, and regarding, and in quotes, Perry school vouchers are like nuclear power, scary but safe, unquote. That was the title of an article in the Metro section of the Express News on April 13th. 
Former Governor Rick Perry comparing vouchers to nuclear power would be funny if it were not so ignorant. <laughs> Can he please explain to me how taking money out of my local public school system and giving it to parents who decide to homeschool their child or send that child to a private religious school has any potential benefit for anyone, most of all, my entire community. How do we determine that the money is used only for homeschool materials? How do we measure the child's learning? How do we achieve the transparency regarding the amount and type of religious instruction the child receives? We must not abandon public schools, which provide every child, rich or poor, with a foundation. If our schools are, are failing, it's because they have been underfunded for decades. They need more support, not less. Perry is telling us not to worry. Perry telling us not to worry is far from reassuring. That was written by Susan Hall. I don't know either of these people, but I thoroughly agree with their sentiments, both of them. Yeah, they're, they're just regular, like, readers, right? They're readers that are... Yes, regular readers. That's right, who write in, yeah. And both of them hit the nail right on the head, particularly yeah. the fact that tax money is going to be used to fund religious education. I mean, there's just no doubt about that. Yeah. Okay, so... On April 23rd, an article by Nancy Trayer Johnson, who is a local US, local X News X Express News contributor, uh, also appeared regarding a, uh, Abbott's voucher program. Abbott's whole purpose, says Nancy, uh, who like me graduated from a poor rural school, and like me became a teacher later on. Abbott's whole purpose is to undermine public edu education and fuel distrust among American parents. He recently visited Mary Magdalene's school here in San Antonio as part of his, this Texas tour of, quote, parent empowerment nights, unquote. And I put exclamation points around that. Parent empowerment, indeed. Outside the auditorium, a protest group of parents had gathered chanting, protect public schools, unquote. Inside, all was pro-empowerment. L.J. Francis, a State Board of Education District 2 member from Corpus Christi, introduced Abbott, who began with a list of accusations that GOP leaders often hurl but never prove. A history teacher taught her students to disrespect the American flag. A public school no longer recites the pledge. A special needs child didn't receive any help. Parents don't know what books are in their children's libraries or what they're getting taught. Abbott said, quote, the school curriculum is getting away from reading, writing, math, and science, and teaching things like a woke leftist radical agenda that gets away from the fundamentals. Let me tell you, schools are here for education, not indoctrination. And I say, as far as that goes, I look on it and I say, here, here, that's exactly what schools are for. And if we give all our money to uh, to, the, to religious schools, no matter how, how wonderful they might be, they're going to get indoctrinated. 
<laughs> that's what religious schools mean. <laughs> so that's their purpose in life. Okay. Uh, present lawful policies could take care of Abbott's concerns, says Nancy. If they're true, that is, and all, none of those uh, accusations have actually proven to be true. The pledge is recited every day. Uh, I recite it every time I go to a Toastmasters meeting. Uh, and uh, the flag is certainly there and being saluted while we do it. So I don't think that it is being disrespected. We have special programs for uh, impaired children that the, that the state is subsidizing, even though they are withdrawing money from it steadily. Uh, mental health has been touted as the, as the cure for gun violence, and yet money has been taken from the mental health program in order to fund the Lone Star Project, uh, which has sent our uh, Texas Guard, a Texas uh, State Guard, to the border to stand there looking at the Rio Grande while people cross over. They actually have no power to stop those people or, or arrest any of them. They're simply there to show the power of the state, which does nothing except use up tax money. I think it's several billion dollars has been used to maintain those soldiers down there doing nothing. Wow. Yeah. Okay, so the $8,000, um, uh, no, I'm skipping, I'm skipping here, uh, uh, I was saying present lawful policies could take care of Abbott's concerns. That's Nancy's uh, uh, statement, if they were true. And there are other ways to address flaws than providing vouchers to private schools. Perhaps we should consider parents' concerns about their kids getting murdered in a school mass shooting. And this is happening every day. It is not just the occasional thing. Literally, it is literally every day. Literally every day. Every, literally every day. But nobody is doing a thing. The Democrats are certainly doing uh, as much as they can, uh, awfully, in Congress. But they're not in power right now. Okay, imagine how much worse the public school experience will become if the present meager dollars are siphoned away. Talk, talk about indoctrination. There will be no check on private schools. And the $8,000 per family baits the hook. It sounds like a lot, but it is much less than what a private education costs. In Senate Bill 8, that is our Senate, Texas Senate Bill 8, author Brandon Creighton says, quote, in recent years, many parents have become less trusting of school districts and charter schools and charter schools, note, because they do not feel as if they have been granted appropriate opportunities to direct their children's experience. And of course, the voucher program would give them that opportunity. Oh, yes. But who is it that is furthering the distrust? Who has been in charge of Texas's public schools for decades? Texas hasn't had a Democrat in the governor's office since Ann Richards, a teacher, 28 years ago. If Texas leaders want to build trust and empower parents, they would fix schools and inform parents about all the choices they now have, which are more than ever. 
Dwight Harris, a retired teacher and president of the Victoria chapter of the Texas American Federation of Teachers, was present at the debate over Senate Bill 8. When he got up finally to speak, when he was finally recognized, he first said he thought the committee had forgotten he was in the room. Then he spoke of his experiences at all-black schools until in 1954, when the United States learned just how unbalanced and unequal those two systems were. And he said, I am fearful that we might be headed back that way. Harris, this is the same speaker that I've just quoted, Harris said that vouchers began as a way to try to circumvent school desegregation. Notice, that was not a very noble purpose, but that was what it was. He ended his speech by reading from Chapter 7 of the Texas Constitution. Quote, you are to establish and make suitable provision for the support and maintenance of the efficient system of public free education, unquote. That's in our Constitution. Nancy ends her article by saying, we must not forget who is in the room. As, um, as uh, Mr. Harris said, they almost forgot him. Texas classrooms ranked 44th in spending in the nation and 39th in funding in 2022. I think Mississippi may be in uh, Alabama might have been uh, worse than we are. Mm -hmm. There are 5.1 million students and 320,000 teachers in the room. They are our future. And that is what Nancy had to say. And again, I am deeply concerned that uh, that apparent empowerment nights uh, is going to win over enough people that this uh, Senate Bill 8 may become law in Texas, in which case, for, goodbye, goodbye our free uh, education, what little chance we have at it at the moment, even. So we do have schools. Uh, there are small uh, communities here, like uh, Alamo Heights, which is actually a part of San Antonio, but a separately incorporated town that was swallowed up. It has one of the uh, schools with the best reputations in the state. Why? Because it gets, it gets contributions from people. It's not the state. It's not our tax money that's actually going there. It is. What little of it is not siphoned off for something else like Lone Star. But Texas is in a very sad state, 44th in the nation in funding. Wow. So uh, I just wanted to, <laughs> I wanted to let the rest of the nation, like New York, for instance, <laughs> to know how good you've got it as far as your education system is concerned. It's guaranteed. It is. Uh, it is thoroughly supported, uh, and it prepares good people to become important uh, leaders in the future, which is what education is supposed to do. It's not supposed to fill them with crazy ideas of uh, of drowning the government in a bathtub. <laughs> 
you know, I, it, very interesting. You know, a lot of a lot of the points in there are very interesting, but um, I I don't I, I didn't know my history well. I didn't realize that the public school systems were uh, were put forward uh, by by the Roosevelt uh, administration, and <clears throat> you being a, a, a pre-war baby, right? Uh, you were 1933, right? Uh, were you 33 or 34? Mm-hmm. Uh, 34, and and your <laughs> yeah, and <laughs> yes. your and classmates. Um, I you know it's a it's a successful. It was a successful program put forward. Yes, it was. Uh, yeah, very. Uh, you know, we have a we have a very good school system. When people, you know, want to want to shame us, and our own people, you know, want to shame us, we we compare ourselves to you know different countries, um, you know, often Scandinavia and and you know Japan and uh, different things of of how far behind we are. Uh, you know what? We we have a lot of people. We have a lot of people, and they have opportunities. And obviously, we're not all equal, and uh, and I don't know that we'll ever be equal. I don't know that our system is set up uh, to be that. It's uh, it's a meritorious uh, system, you know that it, you know you 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 are able to get somewhere. Someone like yourself. I mean, you grew up without mm-hmm. a, a you know with with, a, with using an outhouse and and having no electricity at one point, and uh, on a farm. In uh, in in the Ozarks, right? I mean, it's uh, and and look at where you've gone, and you're you're a doctor at this point, and you're uh, and and you had an illustrious career, and you married uh, a uh, another person with a doctorate, and um, who came from he was educated in another country, but nonetheless, you went from. Uh, the outhouse to the penthouse, so to speak, and uh, it, you know you, you have sixteen books. You have a seventeenth uh, on the way. You've had a documentary. You have a radio series. You have, you know, I, I mean, not bad for a kid from uh, uh, the Ozarks, and and you know, not bad, not bad at all. And I don't know how many other countries could claim that. So again, we we often shame ourselves and talk about how how bad things are um but let's let's put things in perspective uh what president roosevelt did uh and and put forward immediately with the public school system uh advancements uh were tremendously successful and uh, are we perfect no we're not i don't know that there is a perfect uh system that's uh that's here but uh, the public school system was very successful thus far. I mean, we're we're coming on, uh, you know, ninety plus years, or or we're about ninety years, roughly, of um, of of the system that that uh, FDR put forward, and uh, you've got to look at it as nothing else but successful. Yes, of course, the states had a great control over. It. Uh, over the uh, quality of education that was actually put through. But the push from the federal government was always to support, to supply. Uh, When I started school, it was a two-room school. Uh, The first four grades were in one room partitioned from the other grades (laughs) by uh, by a plywood sheet. Uh, that my dad had put up between the two. He took the fifth grades and up through the twelfth grade, 
and taught them, of course, uh, math uh, all the way through higher math and history and politics and uh, everything else they were supposed to get in high school because the government, the U.S. government supplied the uh, information, supplied the, the textbooks and so on that, uh, that could be used. Um, that actually, it was the state government, but with the help of the U.S. government, which was very much in, in the background there. So from two, a two-room schoolhouse, which was actually a one-room, one-divided, uh, I went through uh, all the different forms and shapes of schools as, um, as I followed my dad uh, from uh, army post to army post until he was shipped overseas and then went back to New Mexico. Incidentally, I was born in New Mexico. And uh, after, the, after World War II was over, my uh, dad had bought property in the Ozarks, and so he moved there. So I went through high school in the Ozarks after having experienced California high, uh, junior high school. And believe me, it was a shock. There was a great difference in the quality of uh, the preparation of the teachers and, uh, and the uh, materials that were available. Um, but my dad quickly took over the school and reformed it so that he became the principal of that consolidated school and began actually to teach something uh, worthwhile. But there were a lot of vicissitudes, you might say. Uh, and yet it was the federal government that kept pushing uh, for quality and for uh, for education, not indoctrination, as uh, um, as this uh, uh, gentleman rightly, this Republican rightly said in in uh, supporting his bill. That's what we want. We want education, not indoctrination. But what the voucher system promises to do is allow uh, free indoctrination because nobody's going to be checking on those schools. Yeah, right. It's uh, it, you know what? It's uh, it, wonderful viewpoints from these these uh, these readers, uh, which is uh, you know almost proving <laughs> proving the point. These are people that you and I have never heard of, and uh, and they're making uh, they're making wonderful points, um, and we assume that they're being uh, that they're being educated in, uh, in in the same system that they're commenting on. I think as soon as this bill passes, if it does, and if anybody is foolish enough, if any senator is foolish enough to think they can get away with this bill, which is using uh, uh, state tax money to fund religious schools. Um, not all of them are religious, but a lot of them are, uh, and it's breaking the, um, the Constitution, not only state, but, uh, but I think federal by now. Uh, so... Um, so I think uh, uh, anybody who actually votes for this uh, is a fool because it's going to be contested in the courts instantly. Uh, it will never become law because it is against the Constitution. You can't have that. And you've wasted a whole lot of time on it <laughs> uh, trying to get it through in the first place. Now, we do have vouchers out there, but they are privately subsidized. So uh, it's true. Parents can teach, can uh, choose to put their kids through uh, schools with vouchers if they want to pay for it themselves. But the public public schools have done their job 
uh, in some places better than others, obviously. But as long as they have a good administration in the state government funding them and furthering the quality of the materials taught and the, and the teachers teaching, uh, it will be okay. We need to support that system. It has worked uh, for 90 years, to my knowledge, and I expect it will work for a hundred more if, if, we, if we support it. Hmm. Interesting. You know, it, it was always my, my impression that the, the public school system was put in, in motion somewhere in the uh, 1890s. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, I know uh, in France and Europe and different places there, that's when the concept started uh, taking hold, if, I, if mm-hmm. I remember my history correctly. And, and part, of the, part of the reason is that uh, there, were, there were so many different people that, were, um, that didn't consider themselves Frenchmen, for example, or Germans or, uh, or, you know, or, or, or Brits. Uh, and they, they didn't even have a uniform language. They would speak in local dialects. And there was no idea, uh, no sense of, of, of being loyal to the, uh, to the crown or to the, uh, to the uh, federal government in any way. And, and, and a way to get the, um, the, the young people indoctrinated, right? I mean, let's, if you want to call it that, uh, but into a, a sense of nationalism was to uh, was to uniform what they were learning and 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 to teach them and one of the big problems yeah. is that it was a rural uh, you know a, a rural uh, community it was a rural uh, society and uh, and you don't want to give up your your best workers your oldest sons are gonna uh, instead of plowing the field and melting the cows they, they go to this this uh, abstract thought in in your mind they're gonna go to school to learn what to learn history mm-hmm. and arithmetic and what what is that how is that going to milk my cows how is that going to how is that going to slaughter the pigs for me yeah. and and very short-sighted uh people were just thinking about well right now what is our what what is our uh desire right now and it's just it's to survive but uh and you know how uh how far away was that from uh from where we were in in America in the 1890s, and uh, and is it is it accurate to say that it took 40 years for the uh, for the concept to really take hold, and it took Roosevelt to uh, to really push it through? Yes, I think uh, we had Coolidge and we had Hoover, and I don't think either one of them was the least bit interested in educating our children. Uh, the, the focus was definitely not on any of that. And I don't know whether, I mean, Woodrow Wilson was, was hung up on uh, World War I, obviously, and the, the, after that, I mean, he had his stroke and his wife was running the country, uh, as uh, Nancy uh, Reagan was running the country there for a while, too. Yeah. Uh, and uh, a lot of people don't know that, but uh, in any case, uh, yes, I think that Roosevelt was the first one to focus on uh, education as a national concern. And uh, the pattern for education was already there. And I must say, on behalf of religious education, it was the Jesuits in Europe uh, who were back in, um, in uh, uh, 1540. 
uh, went to the Pope uh, and uh, asked if they could become a teaching and missionary order, uh, and they reformed European education, and they put a system into it so that uh, reading, writing, and math were the basis, basics for teaching a person how to be a citizen of anywhere, uh, of being a civilized human being. And so uh, that system, that framework then spread uh, and was used. It was used by Protestants as well as Catholics, uh, and it had been set up in little private uh, towns and villages uh, in the United States. Uh, in the, it was the, uh, the colonies back then. Uh, so, yes, and uh, uh, maybe uh, in Syracuse, which was a little town uh, somewhere in New York State, maybe not even New York State as yet, uh, maybe in Syracuse there was a really, really good school, but it was detached from anything else. And so the organization, the general push, I think, began in the 20th century with FDR. Mm. Yeah, it's... Uh, it's... You know, it's a, a, again, one big success as you as you looked at it. And by the way, Wilson, um, prior to him, uh, you know, uh, becoming, uh, Eddie. they would call it senile or, uh, you know, in yeah. Yeah. mentally, uh, it's Edith Wilson, right? She was uh, she was his uh, wife. I believe it was Edith, her name. Um, yeah, she was uh, clearly running things. Uh, there's nothing uh, or there's no individual that you would think uh, would be more interested in education than, uh, than Woodrow Wilson, right? I mean, he was right. uh, uh, president of Princeton, I think, at one point, and uh, yeah, yeah. Highly, highly educated man. But as you said, he was preoccupied, uh, preoccupied uh, with, uh, with World War One, and uh, and the mess that it uh, that it became, leading, you know, to whatever. But um, yeah, but Wilson would have been the one. But like you said, Coolidge and uh, Coolidge and Hoover. Uh, had no interest whatsoever in uh, in educating our young. None. Uh, it, it's, it, there wasn't even a semblance of That's right. mm-hmm. of, of interest there. And it was it, it was Roosevelt who uh, who you know had the had the broad mind to to get things going. Uh, by the way, uh, clearly uh, a, a, the, a great president. Uh, you know, a lot of times people will try to diminish it and say, well. You know, the uh, World War Two saved the Depression and solved the Depression. Listen, maybe, you know, may, maybe so. But the programs that he put into motion um, were, were just extraordinary and, and forward thinking as you could possibly get. Oh, absolutely. I mean, uh, the huge dams that have uh, enabled the West to develop, for instance, uh, are due to the WPA, many of them, if not all of them. Uh, and the CCC, um, I remember when my dad took off to uh, to go to the CCC camp and teach those boys, uh, which was another thing that uh, Roosevelt was concerned about. He was uh, wanting to keep young men from becoming criminals and joining gangs and doing things like that uh, by teaching them how much they could contribute to society. And that's what the CCC was for. It was the Civilian Conservation Corps, and by the they were building the roads. They were uh, building uh, uh, water systems for the cities and sewer systems and so forth. Uh, and uh, 
Roosevelt was really, although it did not bring us out of the Depression, because that process has been allowed to fester for so long, uh, it took a long time, and it took the war. Yes, it did. It took the war to bring us all the way out of it. But it was uh, it was FDR who began it and and who guided it. And if you if you are from back east, uh, I'm not from there, but I lived there for 28 years in Rochester, in upstate New York, and uh, so many of the buildings and roads and other uh, libraries and so on. Um, there's the, the Rockefeller libraries also, of course. And so there was some trickle down there. Uh, but that was the exception rather than the rule. Uh, so there were many, many uh, uh, public uh, public projects that were achieved by WPA and CCC. And you see them when you're back east. The Taconic Parkway is, is one of the most beautiful, actually. Yeah, it really is. It's still, it's still a beautiful ride. Uh, Taconic Parkway. I had no idea. I had no idea that there was a uh, uh, that was put forward by FDR. Yep. Mm-hmm. Well, it was one th- one of the first things I learned about it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Amazing. Uh, we lost Doc for for a moment here. Hopefully, we'll get her right back uh, to kind of finish off. Um, Uh, welcome back. We lost uh, Doc for for just a moment, but uh, Frank McKay here. So much more importantly, you've been listening to Dr. Florence Byham Weinberg, and uh, really a, a great education on our education system, uh, as much as anything. And uh, boy, she could uh, she could teach uh, teach me new things every day. Um, I'm getting a doctorate class uh, just by doing this. Uh, this, <laughs> I'm getting a doctorate program. Never mind a class and just uh, in in doing the show. Uh, Doc, any final word on uh, on this bill? Uh, your you know your fellow readers um, uh, had some great uh, input on it, and uh, a final word on uh, on what we started at talking about here. Well, uh, I think the the main lesson to be learned is uh, check your constitution when the uh, either side, either party, has a bright idea. Check it first to see whether it's constitutional, because this idea of uh, making vouchers a state project to substitute vouchers for funding public education uh, is against our constitution. <laughs> And will be scuttled immediately when when it comes up to be uh, finally ratified. It cannot be. So uh, that's my advice to everybody. Uh, and one of our readers picked up on that very very well and published it uh, last month, late last month. And we are grateful to readers who keep a sharp eye on what's going on in this state. Listen, great job, and and to everyone listening, we appreciate your. You are listening to us each and every week. Uh, you have a lot of options. We know that. Uh, thank you, Doc, and thank you to all for tuning in. Uh, please binge listen to everything that we've uh, we've been doing, or at least cherry pick. Frank McKay signing off. We'll see you next time on the Florence Weinberg Show. <laughs> <laughs>